Welcome back to Kicking and Streaming, where what we think we become. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are talking about the 2011 biographical drama, The Iron Lady. Guys, it's, it, we're here. <laughs> we're here. Ross has been foaming about this for six weeks. Listen, I'm very excited to talk about this film today. The movie that gave Meryl Streep her first Oscar in a dog's age. Yeah, 30 years, 29. She's been nominated, like, more than any other living actor today, and I think the most of all time. Meryl Streep has won three times. She won the first time in 1980 for Kramer vs. Kramer. She won for the second time in 1983 for Sophie's Choice, and she won for the third time in 2012 for The Iron. Before we get started, guys, don't forget, go follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at kickingandstreamingpodcast at gmail.com. That is with an and, not an ampersand. And while you're following us and reviewing us, guys, please go check the show notes for the links we've provided to resources for protesters, bail bonds, Black Lives Matter resources, and some cool podcasts that we're listening to. We'd love for you to support our fellow black creators. So, are you ready to dive into this profile? Oh my god, this is a seven-layer dip, I tell you what. I will never be one of those women who stay silent on the arm of her husband. One's life must matter, Dennis. That's why I want to marry you, my dear. Mrs. Thatcher, one simply has to make you look and sound like the leader that you could be. No matter how I've tried, I know I will never be truly one of them. Someone must say the unsayable. Methinks the lady doth screech too much! <laughs> if you want to change this party, lead it. Watch your thoughts so they become words. If you want to change the country, lead it. Watch your words so they become actions. This is it. Steady the buffs, old girl. Watch your actions so they become your character. Prime Minister. Shoulders back, tummies in. And watch your character, for it becomes your destiny. <laughs> and it is my duty. The that's got me this my... our ambition. And the rest of us, me, the children, we can all go to hell. The Falkland Islands belong to Britain. And I want them back. With all due respect, when one has been to war... With all due respect, sir, I have done battle every single day of my life. She heads a most hated government this country has known. This is the best you can do. I had better do your job as well as everyone else's. Best be careful not to test one's colleagues' loyalty too far. Our party and our country need a new leader. The rules make it possible to depose a sitting Prime Minister. So in the town now, just won't win, darling. Your problem is that you haven't got the courage for this fight. Gentlemen, shall we join the ladies? So this film, basically, we are studying the life and decline of British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher. And I have a love for Margaret Thatcher that's weird. She was kind of evil. 
like in the economic sense and a little bit of the social sense one thing i love a great quote about her that i love is that she is one of those politicians who it is impossible to be agnostic right you have a divisive polarizing opinion on her yeah either for or against and i think this film does a really great job of dropping you on the fence yeah about get, her we're, we're getting impaled on the fence we're going through margaret thatcher's premiership her rise to power and as well as her decline in her later years which was unfortunately very sad um but guys when she died in 2013 there were celebrations yeah people t- like it was a little off-putting like yeah. if you want to go in front of the white house when we kill osama and like have a hoot and holler mm-hmm. that's great like that's perfect she's not osama like she's not like it's just categorically different you know what i mean yeah but so like we said either you're for her or you're against her it's really nowhere in between and i got carrie ann right where i wanted her to <laughs> <laughs> do you feel good i do after everything i put you through i feel good relishing in my birthday month uh, so Felita lloyd directs she is notable for directing meryl previously in mama mia oh my god is this why i like this apparently uh, apparently because it's got the Felita lloyd touch for you okay we have got names and you will not go on at length about each and every one you got me you're right <laughs> We tick tock, we gotta go. You're right. Meryl Streep, of course, our mother Meryl, the greatest living actress of our time. You know her from things like, I don't know, Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events. That is an interesting first choice. <laughs> that is the first thing that came to mind. Guys, Kramer's versus Kramer, Sophie's Choice, The Iron Lady, uh, you know, Doubt. Oh, that's right. August Osage County. Like the list goes on and on and on. And I didn't even mention the best ones. Exactly. So those are just the ones that come to my mind. We have Jim Broadbent. You know him (laughs) as Professor Horace Slughorn from Harry Potter. And you also know him as, oh God. You know him as the befuddled old fart from English things. You know him as Professor Diggory from the Chronicles of Narnia. What? Yeah, he's the the professor. Oh my God. Yeah, in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. We have Olivia Coleman, who has had quite the little rise in recent years, hasn't she? I'm proud of her. Yeah, me too. We know her from things like uh, Broadchurch. You should watch Broadchurch. With David Tennant. I should take a chance. Kayla's also been pushing me to watch Broadchurch for a good long time. So The first season's so good. And so we also know her from things like The Favorite as Queen Anne. She also plays another favorite queen in seasons three and four of The Crown on Netflix. Other notables in this include Nicholas Farrell from last week's selection of driving lessons. I can't believe that crap. Like, <laughs> I know. It all it all lines up. And also from the week before that, we have Anthony Stewart Heed, um, who was the Repo Man in Repo, but is Sir Jeffrey Howe in this. And I think the dynamic is splitting. <laughs> <laughs> we have Harry Lloyd. Who you know as Viserys Targaryen from Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the Lucius Malfoy-looking motherfucker. Pretty boy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All the other actors are British, and I don't know who they are. <laughs> this movie made $105 million. And it was well-earned. It was well, well-earned. Because, like, here's the thing. Like, Ross, I, I hate it when you're right, but he's right. He's got me right where... He wants me. You can't tell if you hate Lady Thatcher or love her. Well, no, I definitely leaned more towards hate, but like, there's a weird respect there. You know what I mean? And it's, you know, and you know, it's all because of Meryl. It is. Yeah. I I think we should be upfront about that is that most of our joy around this is, it, it does come from Meryl because Meryl turns this woman into a human being. It's really weird. The feelings are complicated and I just, 
we might as well get into it because we're going to be here forever. All right, let's go. Guys, I'm going to go back and forth between narrative and history for you. Please bear with me. I know you like to listen to me talk, right? <laughs> right? I, yes, absolutely. <laughs> More than anyone else in the world. I'm kidding. But uh, guys, I'll try not to bore you for too long when I go into detail. Stick with us, okay? I like to call this first sequence Out for Milk. <laughs> I love this scene. The Baroness Thatcher, as she's known in her older age. Oh, you'd hardly know she was the leader of Britain for 11 years. <laughs> yeah. Like, looking at her now, the makeup is splendid. The makeup is honestly stunning. How old is she? She's about 83, 84, somewhere in that area. She would actually be 83, about to turn 84. And Meryl, who never looks a day over 49, is under there somewhere. It's incredible. <laughs> She's getting a pint of milk in this, like, corner shop, much like the one she grew up in, am I right? Right. I love that symbolism. <laughs> anyway. She puts the milk up on the counter. He says, he says it's uh, a pound 49. And she goes, how much is the milk? <laughs> it's 49 pence. And just the way her eyes widen, she's like, Jesus, okay. <laughs> Why don't you take my fingers when you shake my hand? She's scandalized that milk has gone up. She hobbles back to the house she grapples with a lot of geriatric confusion here what we're seeing here is the beginning stages of margaret thatcher's deterioration into dementia and basically she wasn't supposed to be going outside yeah and she went out to get milk she snuck out basically <laughs> i love that though Maggie's very confused about people and places around her yeah she th th what's tricky about this movie is that she will lapse in and out of the present, right? Yes. She'll she'll go somewhere else by virtue of her cognitive impairment. So suddenly we'll be doing one thing and then we'll be in flashback. So we're going to have to try and keep you abreast of where we are in the timeline. We're at breakfast at the house in London. We have Maggie and we have her husband, Dennis, sitting down to breakfast. Oh, Dennis. I... Jim Broadbent. Milk's gone up. Mm. 49p a pint. Grief. We will have to economize. Suppose we could always sell the car. <laughs> or take in paying guests. <laughs> they think they're so funny. Oh, they're I... so rich and so funny. Yeah, you're right. I love them almost instantly, and I hate this movie for this. Also, yeah. Their back and forth, their banter is not unlike mine and Gavin's. Yeah, so it endears you to it. It endears me to it. And I like to think that this is what Dennis and Maggie were like together. But at the same time, Dennis Thatcher was hella racist. He didn't think he was hella racist, but like he said some very off-colored things during Maggie's time in office. Like something about savage brown people or something. Oh, I'm not shocked. This movie does not put a fine enough point on that, that he was kind of problematic. We have this lady named June, and she is taking care of Maggie. She's her caregiver. She can hear June whispering to somebody in the hallway. And she's like, uh-oh, they're talking about me again. And June comes in to find her sitting at the breakfast table alone in the next shot. Yeah, this movie hurt me. Dennis is not truly there. Dennis died in June of 2003. And so from here on out, when he is not living, and he is only a manifestation of her disease... We will be referring to him as Ghost Dennis. She still makes him breakfast. I know. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Like, I, I'm trying to... It, if you don't laugh about it, you'll cry about it. Like, I, that freaking sucks. Like, even if she was problematic, I would hate to lose my best friend and then be haunted by his memory. 
June is very upset with the Metropolitan Police because they cannot seem to keep Maggie from getting out of the house. <laughs> She's the former prime minister for crying out loud. <laughs> they cannot seem to keep her indoors. <laughs> when her and Dennis are at the window and they see all the cops arguing about who's supposed to keep her in at what time. <laughs> and Dennis is like, oh, now look what you've done. Are they to keep the loonies out? Are you in? <laughs> And she's like, you know, wear your scarf, it's cold. And he's like, okay. And she's like, bye, Ghost Dennis. <laughs> yeah, and then Ghost Dennis just leaves for work. Yeah. Like, <laughs> being goofy on his way out, twirling his umbrella. He's doing a Monty Python bit, is she, he not? She sees that, too. <laughs> she sees that happen. <laughs> and then we have Susie, played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She shows up with, laden with copies of her memoir, which in this narrative is called Life at Number 10. So she's mentioning you know, different lunches, outings, events. She mentions a concert and she says, if you'd like to go, it seems like a very interesting program. It's Rogers and Hammerstein. And that just, that just kind of sets Maggie off to a more vibrant time. certain mentionings or sounds or songs or places can set people with dementia off not necessarily in a negative way but it can definitely put them in a different place you know what i mean is that what you think's being conveyed here definitely definitely i think this does a really good job of relating narrative and disease at right. the same time yeah i think it's a great device for it so Lady Thatcher takes to signing copies of her memoir, and she mistakenly signs one of the copies, Margaret Roberts. Her maiden name. Mm -hmm. We are transported to Grantham, Lincolnshire, underneath the corner shop of grocer Alfred Roberts, who was Maggie's father. So the Roberts family, Maggie, Muriel, Beatrice, and Al, were underneath the shop during a Nazi air raid. My favorite piece of trivia about Margaret Thatcher that I saw in the documentary that you made me watch for homework mm -hmm. is that even during the air raids, Maggie would get under the kitchen table to do her homework. Oh, absolutely. Work but... came first. 100%. <laughs> sweetheart, sweetheart, they're dropping bombs. Uh... Her family led a very conservative lifestyle. Alfred Roberts was a town minister. He was mayor of Grantham a couple of times. So he himself was a politician. So he always instilled in his daughter the conservative values of hard work and thrift and all that good stuff. You know what conservatism is supposed to be about? And yeah. not, not all the hate. Exactly. You know? She also worked for the family business. She worked for the grocery shop. And she and her family didn't have a lot, didn't have... As much as other families did because they lived within their means. And you guessed it, she got teased for it. She sure did. Never run with a crowd, Margaret. Go your own way. <laughs> oh my god, British mean girls are terrifying. <laughs> they are, they so are. Their voices are so annoying. And like, it's like that John Mulaney bit about how he crosses the street when he sees a pack of 13-year-olds. Mm -hmm. Like, they're terrifying. And Alfred always told her, never roam with the crowd. You make up your own mind what you're going to do and never because someone else is doing it. I mean, and I think, fair. I think this is actually quite progressive. For that time. Considering that she is a young woman, mm -hmm. yes. 
So Margaret is real smart, works really hard, gets a place at Oxford. Oh yeah, she going to fancy school. She opens up that telegram. Alfred is so proud, couldn't be prouder. You know, don't let me down, Maggie. And it's beautiful. She shows it to Beatrice, and she's like, "Mother!" And she's like, "My hands are damp. I can't look at that right now." And then it's just like one tear. I can't believe my daughter's going to college. Ew. I know. And I'm like, Beatrice, be supportive. Like, we don't all have to get married and our lives be over. Listen to me. We. I'm not women. <laughs> you're, you're sure not, I'm buddy I'm an ally, boy. but I'm not women. You're sure not, buddy boy. We wake up from this flashback and it's tea time. She's taken quite the nap. Yeah. She went down like after breakfast. She's missed most of the day. <laughs> Sounds like me lately. We have daughter Carol, played by the lovely Olivia Coleman. What? Olivia Coleman? Where? I know. The nose. <laughs> Guys, you wouldn't know it was Olivia Coleman. They have made Olivia Coleman look exactly like Carol Thatcher. Like, exactly. This is like Nicole Kidman in the hours, nose oh, yeah. putty for days. Exactly. And it just, it. you're right. If, if, if I didn't know the nose was fake... I wouldn't know it was Olivia Coleman. And she's got her voice down perfectly. You watched the documentary. You saw the actual Carol. I did. It's, Wasn't it scary? Yeah, we're face down in the uncanny <laughs> valley over here. Hey, Ma. Bloody taxi driver wouldn't take my card. I said, don't have a sticker saying you take Visa. And then insist on cash. Oh, I can't believe it. Rummaging around the bottom of my bag, but he didn't get a tip. Carol's come to help prepare her for dinner for friends tonight, as well as start going through Dennis's things. I love Carol. I love what she's wearing, like the coat she's wearing, all of her jewelry, and I'm like... Oh, she's a very nice, well-dressed white lady. Absolutely. Bottle blonde, for sure. Carol keeps trying to clear her dad's things out of the house, and Maggie won't let her. I know, she's very perturbed by Carol moving everything. Oh, no, don't touch those. I haven't finished sorting them. Me, when you're trying to get me to clean up my room. For real, though! Yeah, 100%. I don't want to let go. (laughs) You held on to an entire trash bag full of loose paper once. It might have had important things in it. (laughs) No, bud, I'm not trying to drag you. I get it. I get it. it was bad. I have a bin of clothes I'm trying to donate that I've gone through six times, I feel feel like because i'm afraid i'm gonna give something away they're getting ready for this dinner party right we're preparing to go into dinner carol's reminding margaret of everybody's gonna be there to make sure she knows who's gonna be there no yeah she's doing the andy thing from devil wears prada Uh, yeah and nt is confident that she's gonna know everybody that's coming and i love the comment carol says listen he's bringing on his new lady friend just to mix things up a bit because we are rather short of women, but I'm sure we'll manage. I've always preferred the company of men. <laughs> and then just this flash of male laughter. Yeah, this scene is great. This scene goes back and forth between that dinner party in the present and a dinner party when Margaret was how old, Ross? 24. Back of the 40s. <laughs> we get flashes back to her early days canvassing the Dartford Conservative Association. She wants to be selected for a safe seat for Parliament, and she wants a conservative association to back her up. So she's schmoozing. Yes, absolutely. We get a glimpse of young, hot DT. Oh my god, young Dennis can have me. I wrote DTF, YDT. (laughs) (laughs) Down to fuck young Dennis Thatcher. That is (laughs) whack. I love how Dennis is thoroughly entertained by her, just like from the get-go. Oh, no, he is intrigued by her. Definitely. Because, I mean, as we'll see in a second, she's got a lot to say. The DCA, their main concerns are deconstructing the Atlee architecture. 
And what I mean when I say that is after the war, all that period of austerity, rationing, it wasn't good in the late 40s in Britain. So Clement Attlee, uh, who was the leader of the Labour government at the time, completely nationalized so many key industries, electricity, water, steel, the railways, like everything was coming under the control of the state. He nationalized pretty much everything. And so the conservatives were in a tizzy. So what I do think is that a man should be encouraged to stand on his own two feet. Yes, we help people. Of course we help people. But for those that can do, they must just get up and do. She is touting a very frugal form of conservatism. Everybody in the conservative association is like making eyes at each other like, mm, she's educating us right now. She's lecturing us. I don't like it. Yeah, I, no. I don't want to be lectured by this 24-year-old girl is mm, what they would think. I know. She's a young woman. But she's so good. When she was at Oxford, she was the leader of the conservative association at Oxford. She's she been new. Yeah. She knows how you guys tick. When she says, I know much more than those who have never lived on a limited income. Just like the man or woman in the street, when I am short one week, I have to make economies the next. Nothing like a slice of fiscal responsibility. A man might call it fiscal responsibility. A woman might call it good housekeeping. Very nice. Dennis is positively giggling. Oh, he thinks she's funny. The whole time. She's like, she's got spunk. She's really firing back. I'm loving this. We get pulled back to real time dinner. We're saying goodbye to our friends from dinner. One of the, the lady who was the tag along, the plus one. She comes up and she's like, I hope you appreciate what an inspiration you've been to women like myself. And she just responds with, well, it used to be about trying to do something. Now it's about trying to be someone. And the lady's like, did she just, are you trying to say shit about me? <laughs> like, she's like, okay, yeah, thank you. What a, Bye. what a weird vibe. The next sequence is kind of sad. Oh, boy. Carol helping her get undressed and ready for bed. Yeah. Carol has noticed throughout the night that her lucidity is slipping. She has, without her knowing, moved up her doctor's appointment to the next day. It is a little urgent. Yeah. And I hate this because Carol is just trying to be like, hey, mom, I'm checking in on you. I'm worried about you. And Margaret doesn't have time for it. She'd rather deal with her brother. What does Mark think about it? Mark, tell him to come up. I want to talk to him about this. Mark's with Sarah and the children. Well, tell him to come up and see me after he's kissed them goodnight. Would you, Carol, darling? Mark lives in South Africa with her grandchildren. Yeah. Carol comes and sits in bed with her. And, you know, she's just like, he's not here. Mark lives in South Africa. You're not and prime minister. And you're not prime minister anymore. And dad is dead. And there, I, there's this long, after she says that, there's just this long stare from Maggie at Carol. And she finally just goes, you look exhausted, dear. And she just completely just dismisses it. She thought about it for a second. She And her brain went, no. She went somewhere else. Yeah, her brain said, mm -mm, that's not what you just heard. We flash back to Maggie losing her first bid for a parliament seat. General election, 1950. 
24-year-old Miss Margaret Roberts lost her bid for a seat in Parliament today. And Dennis is cheering her up with a snack and a nip. Like, he's got, I don't know, he's got food and he's also got booze. Like, he comes she, in clutch. She sh he shows up to console, but not to pity her I, defeat. I, that's what I love about them. He, yeah, he says, you know what? You shaved thousands off their majority. You did really good. And she's like, I didn't do good enough. This is where we get the impression that it wasn't so much the fact that she was female that people didn't like her. But it had a lot more to do with her class. Dennis says if Margaret were to be married, she might have won her seat. If she had been married to, I don't know, a moderately successful businessman, she would have had her seat. And then he was like, Margaret, will you marry me? <laughs> that came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, you know what? Mad and respect to Margaret. because Mad respect to Dennis. He's like, you, I've got something you want. You've got something I want. He also loves her. Yeah, he does. Like, don't forget that part. Very dearly. Very <laughs> like, dearly. And I just love Margaret. She looks at him and goes, Dennis, now listen. No, yeah, she says yes, but she says, I love what she says. One's life must matter, Dennis. Beyond all the cooking and the cleaning and the children, one's life must mean more than that. I cannot die washing up a teacup. I mean it, Dennis. Say you understand. That's why I want to marry you, my dear. Oh, it's good. Shall we dance? Dun, dun, dun. Guys, I so get the appeal. They married in 1951. It's beautiful. I, I wrote, they're dancing to the king and I, and I'm trying very desperately not to cry. I know, I know. You can't take it. Also, if you look up a picture of Alexander Roach, the, the woman who's playing young Thatcher, she also has a nose. Does she really? That's not her nose. Oh, me! Yeah, I know. <laughs> that, that was somebody's job. Exactly. Someone was in charge of the noses. Don't you want to be the nose person on set? <laughs> the nose nose. Can we get noses down here? <laughs> yeah, we need noses on stage 15. Yeah. Okay, we just called in the noses. They'll be here. Back in real time, Maggie's going through some old footage. Oh, yes. She's got a nice uh, DVD of her trip to Cornwall with her husband and her children. It's very dear. I know. They're playing. Who plays golf on the beach? <laughs> Aren't you just asking for trouble? Someone who wants to lose their golf ball. <laughs> and guess who's here to watch with her? Ghost Dennis. Oh, boy. You know, Ghost Dennis is like, you know, you can rewind that, but you can't change it. And I'm just like, Ghost Dennis, will you shut up? No, this is a continuation of me hating Ghost Dennis. Why? Because he's being the part of her brain that she needs? Yeah, no, that, what, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's not even her Dennis. Yeah, I know. She, he is a manifestation of her own insecurities and thoughts. And I just hate that her brain is using the memory of her best friend against her that way. You look happy. Yes, I do, don't I? You're drinking too much. What you doing? Not like you, looking back. Don't want to dig around too deep, Em. You don't know what you might find. You can rewind it, but you can't change it. Mark actually materializes out of the television for her. <laughs> Because she's really missing on Mark. He lives in a different country now, you know? No, it's rough. And it's hard when, especially for someone in this mental state, when someone they really care for is not there. Yeah. And they are separate from them. It's actually hard. It gets harder and harder to remember who they even are. 
the longer they're apart. Oh, and sad. And so I think that's why so much emphasis is put on Mark. You know what I mean? And her longing and want for Mark's presence. And so she starts she, she starts chasing DVD Mark around <laughs> the house. Stop. This child version oh, of Mark. Oh, man. Oh, God. I needed the laugh. And it's this part that, like, this part almost makes me cry. Because as she's chasing this child around the house in slow motion, we're getting the results of General Election 1959. This is Margaret Thatcher. Conservative, 29,697. So I can now announce new member of Parliament for Finchley, 1959. Mrs. Margaret Thatcher. So we're here. We're finally here. I love the shots of her driving towards the palace. Oh, it's great. Yeah. It's great. The difference in treatment and accommodation between male and female members of parliament is palpable. It's stunning. It's insulting. Oh, the inequity. I mean, try to look surprised. She tries to go into the male members lounge. Quote, unquote, unquote. And they're just like, they literally are just like, no, you're not allowed in here. They shoo her like a dog. She goes into the ladies lounge and there is (laughs) a- Chair. There is one chair and, the, and, the, and an ironing board yes. and an iron. And I'm like, that's so bad. Oh, the sexism. In the documentary we watched in 1959, there were only 25 women members out of 630 members of parliament. Well, that sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Doesn't I, it? I hate it. Doesn't this, it? This was decades ago. She wins a seat in Parliament in the general election of 1959, representing Finchley in London. (laughs) Finchley? From last week? Yeah, Finchley Central. (laughs) I'm not sure Finchley Central is quite ready for Peter's particular brand of evangelism. Airy Neve. It's all connected, baby. Oh, God. I love British film. Speaking of Airy Neve. So this MP, his name's Airy Neve, played by Nick Farrell. He's here, guys. He He was Rob Marshall in last week's selection of driving lessons and he kind of you know gives her his friendship and takes her under his wing he's a nice man mrs thatcher mrs thatcher airy neve welcome to the madhouse follow me the madhouse indeed (laughs) oh man so we get a little bit of a flash forward and we are in ted heath's conservative government in which Margaret is now education secretary. And Meryl Streep is now playing younger Margaret, right? Mm-hmm. At this point in history. What's the year again? It's This would be about 1970, probably. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. At, during her time as education secretary, she was really ashamed of it. She had to close a lot of schools. Well, yeah. Because they were inefficient and they weren't working and they were costing the government way too much money. She took free milk out of schools and they called her Maggie Thatcher Milk Snatcher. Oh, yeah. Maggie Thatcher Milk Snatcher is worried about the price of milk. I get a particular kick out of this because I don't know if y'all watch parliamentary proceedings. Which you should. Last week I made a generalization about how uh, British people like to keep their feelings to themselves. That's not what's happening in this scene. Oh, no. Parliament's where it's all come out. We are screaming at each other. Teachers cannot teach when there is no heating, no lighting in their classrooms. And I ask the right honorable gentleman, whose fault is that? Yours, Methinks the right honorable lady doth screech too much. <laughs> The sexism on this floor. The labor opposition is having a 
field day capitalizing on the failures of the Heath government. And it really was a failure. People are literally piling their garbage outside the Palace of Westminster. Oh, God. Like, it's bad. The strike action is so bad. The trade unions are getting very, very powerful. You know, there's rolling blackouts. There's no gas. He was the worst leader of the conservative party there was in the 20th century. Oh, it was all falling apart there at the end. There is a movement in the conservative party to remove Edward Heath as the leader. Scandal! And this is around 1975. And so Margaret doesn't think that she'd ever win, much to the chagrin of Carol and Dennis. She tells them she has decided to run for leader of the conservative party. Oh, no one's happy about this. Carol stamps away. She's just not okay with it. And Dennis. Dennis is like... Dennis, who is alive. Yeah, yeah, this is real Dennis. This is something he actually said to her. Dennis is like, are you saying you want to be prime minister? And she's She's like, like, bitch, I might be. She's like, Dennis, you married someone who is committed to public service. You knew that. And it is my duty. Don't call it duty. It is my duty. It's ambition that's got you this far. Ambition. And the rest of us, me, the children, we can all go to hell. So she gets put together, Ari Neve puts her together with Gordon Reese, who will become one of her most trusted political strategists up until her retirement, actually. Neve and Reese basically tell her, you know, let's minimize the privilege, maximize the hair, and authoritate the voice. All I hear is sexism, sexism, sexism. But well, yes, I know what I mean, you're getting They're at. going with, you know, the mores of the time. No, I know. You People got- don't want to be harangued by a woman. They tell her, you know, you've got the power to go the whole distance with this. We just have to maximize your appeal, and we could take you all the way. And she's like, "Uh uh-uh. No, there's no way that's happening. Like, I (laughs) like like your zeal, guys, but, like, let's be real. Like, what the hell's her deal? Like, all of a sudden she's pumped the brakes, Thatcher? Well, she, she tells them, you know, I've tried to fit in with everybody. I've tried my dandest, but they will not see me as their equal. And I told Aerie. I don't expect to win the leadership, but I am going to run, just to shake up the party. Respectfully, Margaret, I disagree. If you want to change this party, lead it. If you want to change the country, lead it. What we're talking about here today is surface. What's crucial is that you hold your course and stay true to who you are. Never be anything other than yourself. Leave us to do the rest. Montage time! The campaigning sequence for the leadership is great. We get her with the voice coach. Oh, the elocution lessons. I can't. We get we get her visiting places like Love Days, where she used to work as a kid. Love Days ice cream. Yeah, she's giving away free ice cream. Mm-hmm. She's giving speeches. She's doing the damn thing. And she's visiting workers. She's visiting workers who are being heavily affected by the strike action. And, and, and it's in 1975 that she gets elected leader of... The Conservative Party, almost by accident. Yeah. There was a second ballot where they didn't think her name was going to go forward, and it did. And then everybody was like, oh my God, what did we just... <laughs> she was like, excuse me, guys. Yeah, yeah, she was like, let me just, just gonna... squeeze past you. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I made it. And everybody's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Who fell asleep at the wheel? Exactly. Who let their skirt in here? So she becomes the leader of the opposition as well. <laughs> so she's the one doing the yelling at the government. Yeah, when one administration is really messing shit up, 
there's not a lot of it's not a lot of hard work for the opposition. You know what I'm saying? It's like when the Labor Party was in opposition, they were gung hoing to get Heath out of the way, and when they finally did, they didn't make anything better. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's honestly my worst fear at the moment. <laughs> right? I I deeply relate. Very sadly, um, right after her election, Ari Neve is murdered. Like, she says goodbye to him in the parking garage, and his car explodes outside the parking garage. It's awful. The Irish National Liberation Army, which was a terrorist organization from Republican Ireland. You know, they have a deep hatred of the British state, the queen, her government. The UK is not... The UK is the root of all evil for the IRA. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to drop a little informational video about the IRA. I know a good one. So check out the show notes. It fucks her up, Royal. Yeah. Because he brought her into all of this and then he was just gone. Yeah, it. I that would wear on me also. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to take anything away from that. His death is kind of the springboard that sets her in full pursuit of the prime ministry, right? Mm. She's got to get it right. Right. General election, 1979. History is made on May 4th, 1979, when Margaret Thatcher becomes the first woman in Western politics to be invited to form a government. Margaret Thatcher was probably the most powerful woman to have existed at this point. Isn't that whack? It is whack. (laughs) She wins the premiership. It's a great bit. I love that this is interspersed with actual footage from that day. Oh, yeah. And the film. She does the recreation of when Margaret Thatcher famously quotes St. Francis of Assisi, which everybody thought was ridiculous. (laughs) But, like, it's a good moment in the film. Where there is discord, may we bring harmony. Where there is error, may we bring truth. Where there is doubt, may we bring faith. And where there's despair, may we bring hope. This part almost makes me cry. I know. As she's like slowly walking to the door of number 10. I'm just like, Maggie, you made it, Mags. Oh my God. Don't worry. She's got plenty of time to fuck it up. We go to the doctor in real time. Yeah, we're back in the present. She's not letting on that she's been loopy to the doctor. She's making it sound like Carol moving this up was ridiculous. No, yeah. Sharp as a tack, Doc. Honestly. He says, you know, grief is a very natural state. Oh, she can't stand it that he is interrogating her about her feelings. And then in very Thatcherite fashion. Oh, boy. She goes, people don't think anymore. They feel. Do you know one of the great problems of our age is that we are governed by people who think more about feelings than they do about thoughts and ideas that interests me i feel that so hard i know i feel that so much i'm like why can't i have more existential conversations with people about thoughts and ideas why aren't people as smart as me that's not what i meant (laughs) i know it's not i'm teasing you. she goes ask me what i'm thinking and the doc's just like okay what are you thinking and this is actually just one of my favorite quotes in general what's your thoughts so they become words Watch your words so they become actions. Watch your actions so they become habits. Watch your habits so they become your character. And watch your character for it becomes your destiny. 
what we think we become. It's kind of the whole process of character formation and motion, really. Absolutely. And I think that's what you love about it. When we are back at home, though, Ghost Dennis is here to bother us. Oh, my God. Going, Th- going like, he's like, hallucinations, my eye. How dare he accuse you of such things? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. This whole montage of him just making her life hard. She's just trying to eat, and he is all up in her business. She's sitting on the sofa reading a book, and he's sitting behind her in a chair, and he goes. <laughs> she does it in the end. Kills him. And slams the book shut. <laughs> Ghost Dennis, bugger off. So she gets fed up with his bullshit and (laughs) in very Grinch fashion, (laughs) she turns on everything in the house, must drown them out. (laughs) Like, listen, we're laughing about it, but she's trying to silence that voice in her head. She turns the TV on full blast, the radio, the blender, the food processor, and she comes back into the room where he's supposed to be and she goes, if I can't hear you, I can't see you. If I can't see you, then you're not here. And if you're not here, I'm not going mad and she sees herself on the television like leaving the doctor that day like on the news that's fucking wild and she doesn't even know who she's looking at it's sad then we get to see some of her early trials with labor leader michael foot the bernie sanders looking guy can she also accept that her free market economics designed to create a growing middle class ensures that the rich get richer and the poor are irrelevant. There is public unrest over the massive recession that the Thatcher government has kind of put the UK into because what they've decided to do is reverse all of the labor policies from the late 40s on to where they are denationalizing essential industries such as water fuel she's privatizing everything electricity railway she's privatizing everything yes i just love the shots of her in the car driving through rioting streets and they're going out 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 maggie 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 oh no and that guy who's slamming on the window next to her face and going you're supposed to be a Oh, they want her head. And she's just doing her knitting. <laughs> like, she does not give a shit. I just, she di- she did not know when to say when, in mm-hmm. my opinion. She didn't know when to be, she didn't know when to listen. We get this scene where her and Jeffrey Howe, who will become her very loyal deputy, he becomes the deputy prime minister later on. Anthony Stewart, he. Yes, uh, the repo man plays Sir Jeffrey Howe. <laughs> I love the contrasting dynamic here. Like, he, Ross lost his head a couple I, of weeks ago. I did. I was like, oh my God, he's Jeffrey Howe. <laughs> your draft budget has been leaked, Jeffrey. They're baying for our blood. Michael. Please don't interrupt, can't Jeffrey. possibly buckle at the first sign of difficulty. We have this scene where she and Jeffrey are getting ready to go to Buckingham Palace to see the Queen. Oh, we're getting dressed up. Senior members of the cabinet like um, Norman Tebbit and Michael Heseltine, who's her defense secretary. Oh, that guy. Yeah. They're like surrounding her oh they're like vultures yeah and they're like listen we need to bow to the press this is getting ridiculous and heseltine is like the most predatory about this like the whole time just his wide eyes just circling her and circling her they're literally coming at her from all sides and she's not yielding gentlemen if we don't cut spending we will be bankrupt yes the medicine is harsh but the patient requires it in order to live. And I'm like, I get that. I get that when you're trying to run a government that was given to you 
you know, in a shitty state. Theresa May. Yup. <laughs> yup. Good noodle star for you. Yeah, thank you. Yep. So they all leave, and Hal basically tells her, You can't just close down a conversation because it's not what you wish to hear. Oh, Jeffrey, I don't expect everyone to just sit there and agree with me. But what kind of leader am I if I don't try to get my own way? Do what I know to be right. But Margaret, one must be careful not to test one's colleagues' loyalties too far. I think this is the beginning of Margaret really just getting a little too hard. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. She had to fight tooth and nail to get where she is to begin with to get where she is to begin with and then to get these men to respect her and follow her authority the thing is she works harder than every single one of them this is true it's it can be a bad thing exactly (laughs) and she's like why do i have to do everything in this government and they're like you don't shut up i think this is the beginning of her kind of becoming a bully it is because right after this we have the minor strike oh boy here we go 1984 was bad in the UK. Where are my Billy Elliot fans? Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> the Thatcher plan is to break the trade union movement. Oh, yeah. She doesn't want her workers organized. <laughs> I love the news. I love the news clippings. We are now a split nation with a huge gulf dividing the employed from the unemployed. Oh, again, vaguely familiar. There are just all these shots of p- protesters being cleared. By police barricades. Very familiar. Yeah. It might not be for the same reason. The scenery is similar. The fires in the streets, the overturned vehicles, the people being trampled by dragoons. By law enforcement. Yeah. It's upsetting. Then we have the Conservative Party Conference, which is held in Brighton. And Brighton is a lovely beach town on the south coast. The Grand Hotel in Brighton is very notorious for the Conservative Party Conference in 1984. It's the night before the conference. Margaret Thatcher slept maybe four hours every night of her life. I don't get it. She went, she stayed up late to work and she woke up early to work. Like she liked to work. I need my sleep. It's 10 minutes to 3 a.m. Oh yeah, Dennis has to come get her and tell her to go in the towel now, love. It's 10 to 3 for God's sake. Take a break. It's just a speech at conference, not the Magna Carta. (laughs) So she's, Finishing a sentence, and the room explodes. Oh, I know. I'm coming, DT. Come on. Come Nearly on, there. Oh, it's wild! Oh. I didn't know this was coming either. Yeah. Thankfully, both Margaret and Dennis both survive. Oh, yeah, there's that moment where she's calling out for him and he doesn't answer right away. Yeah. I'm like, oh, no. Is this how he died? Yeah. (laughs) Is this happening now? They survive, but she loses a number of friends because a good amount of her staff were staying there with her. Rough. The conference, her thing, her whole thing was she wanted the conference to go on as planned. She walked into the Conservative Party conference at 9 a.m. Oh, my God. A building fell on her. Yeah. And she walked in on time. And the, just the the ovation, I I couldn't tell you how long it lasted. Holy cannoli. You know, this is where her narrative is, you know, all threats to democracy through terrorism will fail. Oh, she gets a big set of balls on her. Mm-hmm. Like, she's done. She's awoken in real time. We're back in the present. So she goes into the next room and Ghost Dennis is making cocktails. 
<laughs> I mean, at least he's useful in that respect. And he's like, could you use a late night pick me up? What do you do? One likes to make an effort. A snifter? You're dead, Dennis. Ah, well, if I'm dead, who are you talking to? Oh, it does. She just goes, you're dead, Dennis. <laughs> She's like, I'm sick of this. That's not funny, but it's also funny. Like, I have conflicting emotions. Now we've arrived at the Falklands War. In April of 1982, the Argentinian government was controlled by a military dictatorship. And they did not believe that the British colonies, known as the Falkland Islands, in the South Atlantic, which are just off the coast of Argentina, should belong to the United Kingdom. Which prompted me to ask you, uh, was that a location that the British stole from someone else? Of course it is. Okay. The, Br I, the I, British I, Empire was in all corners of the world. I just thought I would bring that up. Well, you've heard of the Commonwealth of Nations. Yeah. That's just all of the former British imperial colonies that mm. decided to remain loyal to the crown in a democratic way instead of an imperial way. Okay. Like, you know, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, they they all have the queen on their money. Yeah. Because they're in the Commonwealth. Because they used to be British territories. <laughs> MT capitalizes on this invasion. She says, you know what? We've been invaded. Let's go to war. And the government's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, hold whoa, on, hold on, hold on. Whoa, whoa. Maybe just let them have the Falklands. And she's like, we have British citizens there. Fuck that. She has the U.S. Secretary of State come to visit her. Oh, this scene. This, and, is, this is the one that always makes the Oscar real. Yeah, it is. You're right. This is the this is the big one. He's saying, you know, these islands are very much politically and economically insignificant to the United Kingdom. I don't think it would be a good idea to go to war over them. And she goes, oh, just like Hawaii. And he's like, what? <laughs> and he's like, oh, in 1941, when Japan attacked Pearl Harbor? Did you go? Did you guys go to Tojo with hat in hand and be like, mm, stop it. Yeah, stop it, stop <laughs> it. Can you move back, please? And she goes, no, you kicked their asses. Exactly. You committed the worst war crime in the history of history. Oh, we sure did. All <laughs> laughs stop at that. We will stand on principle. Or we will not stand at all. But Margaret, with all due respect, when one has been to war... With all due respect, sir, I have done battle every single day of my life. And many men have underestimated me before. This lot seem bound to do the same. But they will rue the day. This is one of those moments where Meryl starts to disappear entirely. I know. Like, I know. she just, you know, when we saw Judy Gar, when we saw the Judy Garland movie, there were certain points when Renee Zellweger was at a certain angle. Yeah, that you were like, like, that's Judy. It's Judy. And I was having very similar vibes here. Like, when she's turning her head back and forth every single day, I'm like, oh, God, it's her. So there is this elderly Argentine cruiser. It's called the General Belgrano. And it's leading an escort that is carrying Exocet missiles, which could cripple most of the British fleet. And it's actually going back towards Argentina. And, oh. you know, I love the I love the scene in the war room where she's just tapping her nails on all parts of the map going, is this ship a threat? It's just like, <laughs> you have to tell me now. And they're like, well, the ship's actually going back towards Argentina, so we don't think we need to worry about it. Or that's what the government says, at least. But then the military is like, mm, we should sink it. 
And Thatcher's like, why? And they're like, hella missiles. Hella missiles. We just need to get rid of that. So they just blew it up because they thought it was armed to the teeth. It was actually leaving the war zone and she blew it up anyway. That's not cool, Margaret. Well, it was to show that they had balls. I guess. And that played extremely badly. Oh, yeah. In Argentina because the General Belgrano was had been in servants since the 40s, since World War II. He was a part of the place. Yeah, and it was named after, I believe, the first Argentinian president. And so she sinks it. And so then they bring out the rest of the Argentine fleet and begin fucking up the British fleet because of it. The worst instance was the sinking of the HMS Sheffield. And I think there were 250 actual casualties, which is one person lost in war is too much. But they think the Brits lost 250 men in the Falklands War. Oh, gosh. And they were getting there. And, but the, they killed a lot more Argentinians. Something like a thousand Argentinian soldiers. Yikes. All this over some islands. And we get great footage of from the war, too. It gets really tense there for a second. Oh, yeah. The war only lasts two months. And they eventually... The British will not quit. And it's very, very demoralizing on Margaret because these men keep coming back every week in bags. There will be no appeasement... This is a war. It's a war they started. And by God, we will finish it. Tell you what I'm going to write to every single one of these families, these heartbroken families. I'm going to tell them that no British soldier will die in vain. Do you think she doubled down because she was in too deep? Yeah, I think when she's when she chokes up, when she's talking about the men. Yeah. Like when she's like, No soldier will die in vain for the Falklands. I'm yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what's happening there. She's <sighs> doubling down and going, No, this cannot all be for nothing. And they eventually repel the Argentinian junta. And so they yeah, in June of nineteen eighty two, they retreat. And then it's like she's the war hero of the world. Like, it plays very, very well all throughout the world and shows Maggie's got balls of steel or of iron. Aha, uh-huh, there it is. <laughs> this is where I got mad at the movie. This is where I was like, that was not kind. Because that whole sequence with the Falkland situation rising and declining, mm-hmm. it ramps you all the way up and everything's super tense. And then we're brought back into the present and Ghost Dennis pops up behind her with a noisemaker. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, that paid off, old girl. Your ratings have soared from the most hated prime minister of all time to the nation's darling. I yelled. I jumped. I almost jumped off the couch. <laughs> he goes, He goes. you go from being the, you know, enemy of the world to the nation's darling. This is montage time. This is what I like to call the Maggie's Millionaire sequence. <laughs> Tell us about it. So there's this song by the Not Sensibles. It's called I'm in Love with Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> you, yes, yes. I listen to this shit on the reg. I love this song. <laughs> I'm in love with Margaret Thatcher. I'm in love with Margaret Thatcher. I'm in love with Maggie T. <laughs> a muffin just now the way you were headbanging margaret thatcher she's so sexy she's the one for <laughs> you and me which i mean hey it's meryl and we get you know shots of her dancing with reagan mandela you know we're coming into the late 80s here business is booming 
Oh, yeah. Trickle down has trickled down to the UK. <laughs> How long did you workshop that? I didn't. I just I just said it. Oh, but very clever then. Her The strength of her relationship with Ronald Reagan is actually able to bring about a more speedy end to the Cold War. Because what Margaret Thatcher did is what she got close in with Gorbachev. Right. And then she kind of guided Gorbachev's hand into Reagan's. Oh, sneaky and Philly. Maggie said, if I can do business with him, you can do business with him, Ronnie. <laughs> Let's bring down this wall. She's calling Ronnie out. I love it. And, you know, she celebrates 10 years in office. She is the longest serving prime minister of the 20th century. More than Churchill. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She did 11 and a half years. Churchill got maybe eight. Well, like, you know, over there in, in, on the, you know, in British things, in British period dramas especially, they're all like, mm, mm, Winston. Yeah. And so <laughs> you would think that Winston Churchill was the longest reigning one. The Cold War comes to an end. The Berlin Wall falls. Brandenburg Gate opens. The Iron Curtain is lifted. Oh, it's a good day. It's most people know where they were when it happened. The main three issues that surround the end of her premiership are the idea of the European single currency, that's putting every country in the European Union on the euro, European federalism, they're trying to reorganize the structure of the administration of the European Union, and also the poll tax. Okay. This is where I actually do hate Margaret Thatcher. This is not cool. The idea of a poll tax in any form of reality is just absolutely wrong. It seems something that is so the antithesis of democracy. Yeah, you're paying to vote. That is what I garner. If somebody else can explain it to us better, please point us to a source. She, what, what the poll tax did was it targeted disenfranchised areas of the electorate so that not only are we getting more money out of them, but they have to be accountable for this in order to vote for a member of parliament. Oh, that's scary. Yeah. That is actually terrifying. And so we go to a cabinet meeting. I love this. I have in all capital letters, THE MEETING! She's touting the poll tax at the cabinet meeting, and the cabinet is telling her, listen, the people think that this is manifestly unfair. We cannot expect the poorest of the poor to pay the same amount of tax as a multimillionaire. Say it again for the people in the back! We cannot expect a person who is the poorest of the poor to pay the same amount of tax as a multimillionaire. And to her response to that is just, there you go again, why not? <laughs> and she's oh like, God. because people think it's unfair. And she just, and basically she goes into this tirade about, about how people don't want to take responsibility for anything. She really is talking to them like she's their mother right now. Yep. And she exposes their guilt. Your problem, some of you is that you haven't got the courage for this fight. No, you haven't had to fight hard for anything. It's all been given to you, and you feel guilty about it. Well, may I say, on behalf of those who have had to fight their way up and who don't feel guilty about it, we resent those slackers who tick, 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 and contribute nothing to the community. And she's so lost in her Tory conservative narrative, she's not even making sense anymore. No, yeah, she's pretty transparently losing her grip. She hates Europeans because of the Second World War. She does not like doing business with the European Union. And she thinks that by making the euro the currency of the United Kingdom, we're disgracing the pound sterling, we're, we're disrupting Britain's sovereignty, it will all be in jeopardy. I hear some of you agree with the latest French proposals. Well, why don't you get on a boat to Calais, hmm? 
Why don't you put on a beret and pay 85% of your income to the French government? Maggie, why are we yelling? The way she growls when she says that. Oh my god, Meryl! And, and she loses herself for a second. And she, her hands are shaking. Yeah, I don't get, I don't really get where she, she gets off, really. She, she just berates the cabinet for like five minutes. Yeah, this is what I was talking about earlier. There is a point where she pretty quickly becomes a categorical bully. Oh, yeah. Like, this scene is funny, but if my employer or ever talked to me this way, oh, yeah. I would be livid. Especially in front of your lifelong colleagues. God. Um, like, normally I get on men for their ego and everything. This is uncalled for. This is where the conservative party begins to leave Margaret Thatcher. Well, wouldn't you? Um, the way she's like, okay, give me your pencil. The, no, berating Jeffrey Howe is so bad. Oh, like, it's cringe. He's such a nice guy. Yeah. Is that the timetable? I haven't seen that. It is, Prime Minister. May I see it? Prime Minister, yes, of course. The wording is sloppy here. It's really first draft. Oh, this is ridiculous. There are two T's in comedy. Two T's. This is shameful. Shameful. Give me your pencil. Give it to me. She's so, she is so fucking rude. The snapping. Oh, yeah. I can't, I can't. She dismisses the whole cabinet because Jeffrey didn't come prepared. You know what? Just lay off of Jeffrey. Oh, but it's the last straw for Jeffrey. Oh, Jeffrey rage quits. Yeah, Jeffrey resigns as deputy prime minister. And he gives a full speech about his resignation in the House of Commons, three benches behind her, <laughs> with her listening the whole time. <gasps> the, oh, the balls on that man. It was this speech that pretty much brought her down. Everybody And uh, more and more of her cabinet members resign in reaction to her just straight-up cruelty. Hostile work environment. And she knows it's all falling apart, too. Mm -hmm. But also, her colleagues are conspiring against her to defeat her for the next leadership election. Oh, it's pretty gross. Um, She goes to Paris in order to oversee the signing of the treaty that ends the Cold War. And while she's in Paris, all of her colleagues are canvassing behind her back. Seeing who will give support to who. And it's Michael Heseltine and John Major. This is her fourth election. Her fourth general election. Her name does not go forward on the first ballot. Yeah. And so she scrambles back to London and she's like, I'm putting it on the second ballot. My name's going forward. I'm still here. See? <laughs> but it's kind of too late at that point. And there's this horrible sequence where she's watching Heseltine announce his candidacy for the leadership on television. And she's just looking at Dennis like, I'm the Prime Minister! <laughs> well, Margaret, maybe you shouldn't have been a bully. And Dennis is choked up. It's up to them to tell me when to go. Margaret, you can't let them do this to you. Leave. They'll destroy you. Throw in the towel now. Don't let those bastards see you humiliated. And so before she can be voted away, she resigns in November of 1990. She resigns the premiership. She's devastated. It all becomes this big milkshake of sad. And we get jolted back to the present. Yeah, you good? Milkshake of sad. <laughs> I just love the term. Oh, goodness. And she's leaving in red. And there are these roses on the ground. 
like cutting a path to the front door for her. It's really They weird. give her a radio as a pity goodbye gift. And it's like she's dying. It's weird. I know. Like they're ushering her soul to purgatory. Speaking of purgatory, in the present, she's decided that she's tired of Ghost Dennis. Her rage finally makes her start bagging up his shit. She starts tearing his stuff out of the closet to get rid of all of it. I wrote down what you said. I don't know which one of these shirts you're haunting, but it's leaving my house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, she, li she literally packs Ghost Dennis a suitcase. Yeah, she is ready to let him go. I know. So yeah, you're right. She packs him a suitcase and then the music gets weepy. Yeah. He's got his trench coat on and his hat. She gives him his suitcase. He kisses her goodbye and he starts to walk down the hall. Oh, it's a lie. And she goes, wait. Oh, I, I almost sobbed. I almost sobbed at this point. And she goes, no, not yet. Dennis, wait. I don't, I said I don't want you to go yet. Dennis, please. Fine on your own, love. You always have been. Oh, man. And then, he, then a door opens and he just walks into the white light. And she's almost shocked. She's like, wow. I can't believe I did that. I acrobated out of that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm proud of her, honestly. And so Carol walks in her room. Oh, thank God. Carol's The next here. morning. Carol's looking around like, holy shit. Yeah, you did everything. She bagged everything up. And then we get the sequence of her at the table. And she's finishing up her morning tea and she takes it to the sink. She starts to, and, and June, who was right off screen, goes, oh, let me do that for you, Margaret. And she goes, no, 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 I've got it. And she starts to clean the teacup. Oh, this is the point. Yeah, this, this is the moment where you're like, hmm, I cannot die washing up a teacup. I'm like, is she going to keel over while she's washing this teacup? And June says, Carol says you might go to the House of Lords today. And she says, no, no. I'm not going anywhere. Finishes cleaning up the cup. Walks away. Roll credits. Roll credits. <laughs> I love that. The credits just start rolling with her wandering around in the background. Yeah. Like that gif of John Travolta. Like, As if she's just like, yes, yes, this is my house. Thank you guys for sitting through that if you indeed made it all the way through. I understand I drone and I bore. But listen, Margaret Thatcher is one of those individuals from history that, like I said, you will always be either for her or against her. Either way, there she introduced a lot of problematic policies. You know, the rich did get richer and the poor did get poorer under her. And so I don't necessarily hold her in the highest regard when it comes to our current socioeconomic geopolitical landscape. Oh no, she would not be popular today. Granted, I will give her credit for helping George Bush to create one of the greatest coalition of nations that's ever existed after the end of the Cold War. She definitely strengthened Britain's standing in the world. She, she probably reduced the power of the state a bit too far, but it needed to happen in order for Britain to succeed. Like she said, the medicine is harsh, but the patient requires it in order to get better. And I like that kind of conviction, but at the same time... Not necessarily its application. A lot of her policies were left to things that became economically detrimental to those who were not in the 1%, those who were already disenfranchised, minorities. The one thing that I specifically hate 
Margaret Thatcher for is it's called Section 28. It is literally an initiative by the Thatcher government that says we shall not encourage young people to be homosexual. Oh, I wish you'd said something. And we will not further understanding of homosexuality in our schools. Not cool, Margaret. And there's a great picture of Ian McKellen in the <sighs> 80s on top of a car. I think he's holding a banner. I don't know. I, don't, I can't remember what the banner says, but it more or less says, fuck Section 28. <laughs> I love him. Yeah. I think Margaret Thatcher's brand of conservatism at its core is the same version of conservatism. But when you give it that much power, it can turn into something really awful. It can get ugly. It can get and that's, ugly. That's exactly what happened to Britain in the 1980s. And like I said, when she she went on after retirement, she did the lecture circuit. She wrote her memoirs. She became a member of the House of Lords. And she became the Baroness Thatcher. Do you think she watched this movie? No. I wouldn't. Uh, Carol Thatcher, her reaction to this was, it seems like some sort of liberal fantasy. Oh, really? Is what she says about it. I mean, I think any child would have, would take issue with a film on this scale being made about their parent. Oh no, I would hate that. You know what I mean? I would absolutely hate that. And the liberties that were definitely taken in their story. I don't want to see Rebel Wilson play me in a movie. Why on earth would that happen? I don't She's know. not even fat anymore. Stop. Well, not that you're fat. Oh. Wow. Sorry about that fat thing. <laughs> I'm on the hefty side myself. <laughs> I have to blame the gene pool. It's okay. I didn't mean to call you fat. <laughs> it's not an insult. But I was loving your apology so much, I didn't want to stop You're you. right. It's not an insult. <laughs> I'm sorry. But no, I love this film not only for the production design, the way they intersperse the actual footage with the film. I love that Meryl absolutely disappears. Yeah. This is one of those roles. I believe I included this in my top 10. I believe she was number one. Uh, yeah. She was my number one for top 10 female performances. I remember looking at that and being like, well, of course. This, I mean, and like, she, she becomes her. What more can I say? She yeah. does her job. She becomes her. The affection I have for this film, like Ross said, this movie puts me right where he wants me, which mm -hmm. is this, this dichotomy of... Margaret Thatcher as a human and Margaret Thatcher as a politician. Y you won, bro. You got me. All right. You mm. got me. And then I decided that, you know what? I'm American. I don't have to have thoughts about this right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to keep my eyes on my own paper for the time being. And so I decided that, yeah, most of my affection for this movie is tied up in Meryl. And the fact that Meryl Streep somehow continues to deliver some of the best performances we've ever seen. Like I've said before, she's not always up here, mm -hmm. like where this movie is. She's always good. She can do anything. She can do drama. She can do comedy. Like... She's in a series of unfortunate events, isn't guys. That, isn't that ridiculous? That's freaking whack. Her trying to flirt with Jim Carrey, it was so weird. <laughs> and so, yeah, I love the interview that she does for this film, which I'm totally dropping in the show notes, by the way. Mm-hmm. And she's got a lot of years left, guys. Yeah. It could get better. It could. She deserved this Oscar. She deserved many Oscars. When she get, please drop her acceptance speech for this. Oh, I so will. And she, when she gets up and she's like, listen, I'm going to try. I'm not going to fly through this because I know I'll never be up here again. 
we were watching it in my old college dorm, and Charlie was like, you can't play her off. Oh, my and God. Like, you can't play her off. Yeah. She hasn't won one in, in 30 years. years. <laughs> Margaret Thatcher's one of my favorite political figures. I love studying her. Thank you guys for letting me share her with you this week. I promise you we have more boring suggestions coming for you later in the month. Because <laughs> it's birthday month and Ross is gonna push my buttons guys that is it for this week are you ready to hear what we've got coming up on the docket i am because i've actually forgotten what your next pick is guys guys this is one of my favorite films yep yep there she is she's deflating <laughs> she's got the chagrin grin she's <laughs> <laughs> the chagrin grin she's got the chagrin grin the 2004 m night Shyamalan horror thriller the village Guys, I'm going to be out next week. No. Like, I'm leaving. You will be right here just be talking about this mediocre movie with me. <laughs> okay? <laughs> In the meantime. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. You can write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That is with an and, not an ampersand. And don't forget, guys, go check out the show notes. There's going to be lots of good related media content this week. I'm not going to be a pill next week, guys. I promise. We're going to have fun. It's a promise you'll break. It's not a promise you'll break. <laughs> We're going to have fun. It's going to be a good time. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, sorry Mom. Mom.